All right, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Jab Journals. My name is Dan Smith. I'm here again in Dynamic Box Club of Westland, Michigan with head coach Chad Jackalard. Chad, thanks for joining us today. How are we doing? Uh, you know, had a big fight with Rico Quinn in December in Arizona, obviously coming off a big spectacular win. What were you feeling like, you know, you've known Rico since he was a kid and first started, you know, take me through what you were feeling in that moment. We, we knew we were going there as an underdog and uh, they picked us, but we were prepared. Uh, I know we didn't have the best training camp that we, you know, that we're going to have this time coming around, but we just went out there and, and did our thing. We had a game plan. We stuck to it. We knew that it was going to be rough in the beginning. This guy was going to come off fire. And like Rico mentioned in the earlier podcast that we just stayed relaxed and we knew our time was going to come. I, I, me personally, I didn't expect to see a knockout, a one-punch knockout. I'm glad it went down the way it did, but we didn't expect that. I figured Rico would finally start catching him about the fifth round and then we would start picking him apart and probably stop him like eighth or ninth round. But we got him out of there in fifth, so that was perfect. Yeah, yeah, early night, easy to go home and sleep after that, right? So was there something that was said in the corner, you think, that, that turned Rico around, or do you think that it was just it, it just took him a minute to get the timing and once he got it like you said you know he was gonna just just start catching him and end yeah, up winning I mean, uh we knew like i said the first couple rounds we already knew like we were probably gonna lose the first couple rounds and we would get his timing by then and by the fourth round when he actually got knocked down again in the fourth round when he came back to the corner you know i told him and he said coach coach i'm trying i'm trying to get it down and i told him i said rico we came too far to try mm -hmm. just let your hands go just do it believe in it it's gonna be there and it just so happened it was the next round that he caught him now we've we've talked you know um off the camera and stuff about the fight what is it like as a trainer to watch your watch your fighter go through a fight like that where you know he's not hurt he's not really out skilled or anything it's just man like just bad circumstances like you know the two knockdowns weren't really like they were flash knockdowns yeah. you know what i mean how do you keep him motivated and keep him you know especially rico in specific like how do you keep him going well i mean he was motivated he, 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 I was probably more nervous than he was, mm. and that's how it is for every fight. I'm always more nervous than Rico is. He's so relaxed, cool, calm, and collected, and that's one of his advantages that he takes to the ring with him. My job is to make adjustments in, be, you know, in between rounds if need be or whatever, give instructions, and he's a great listener. And I told him after the fourth round, I said, just let your hands go. We, we, we didn't come this far to try. Don't wait on him no more. Just let, it, let him go. And I didn't know what was going to happen the next round, but it did, so... That was awesome. Did you know as soon as he landed that punch that it was lights out? I, I didn't I didn't know because I, from my viewpoint, he was right in my corner, so I, I didn't even see the punch land. But when he went down, I was looking at his eyes, and I could tell. when I, I kept staring at his eyes and making sure he wasn't going to get up, and he did, he wasn't going nowhere. So Yeah, when he fell, it was like the crowd just went crazy. Like I don't think anyone was expecting it. You know, to have, you know, it was a packed crowd. Obviously, you guys weren't the main event, but people were there. Like, it was basically a full stadium at that point. Do you feel? like even as the trainer like obviously you're not going there to fight do you feel like those butterflies going into big oh, yeah. fights like yeah, that like i said I, I'm, I'm i'm more i'm more nervous than rico is and uh especially at a, on a big stage like that you know i'm mic'd up in the corner there's cameras in my face too in the corner or whatever more of an edge than rico is but right. uh he did his thing that night he listened and we had a game plan and we we stuck to it and it worked obviously rico has fought on on, on showtime a couple times before that so you've been in in high pressure situations like that before take me through like the difference between like a local club show or even like a, an amateur boxing show to a big big card like the showtime and the zone fights uh, well the difference first big difference is the opponent Mm -hmm. I mean, at a local club show, you know, your local club shows, they, they match you with guys that are going to make you look good or bring you up better or test you just a little bit. I mean, on the big stage, we, we're like the B-side. We're, we're going in there. It's an even 50-50 fight. So that's, that's the big difference between a 
you know, even amateur show or club show compared to being on the big stage where there's cameras, you know, or whatever. Now, we, we touched on it a little bit before. You know, you've been with Rico since he, he walked in the gym. Did you see something special in him when he first started coming to the gym? Did it take time for him to kind of get into his own? Like, take me through that. How did you feel uh, about it? I mean, him? I remember when, he, when him and his brother both came down here. They were both, first of all, naturally talented. I mean, you got to give them that. They, natural they, athletes. Know, yeah, natural athletes. And they worked hard. They came every day, they trained hard, they focused on what they were doing. They didn't come in here and, and talk to all their friends and you know walk around and not work hard. They they earned where they're at. They earned they earned it. And Rico is still earning it right now because of his worth work ethic. Now you've been around boxing for most of your life now, right? I mean, how old were you when you started fighting? I was ten, so thirty-five years I've been in a boxing. Right, club. and uh, down in Toledo Boxing Gym, yep. Class City Boxing Club. Coming up through the amateurs, the transition from a fighter to a trainer was that an easy transition for you? It was. It wasn't too bad. Like I said, I've always been in the gym. So, uh, and before I even moved to Michigan, I started coaching in Toledo at my gym at Glass City, and I got my feet wet down there. And then when I moved to Michigan, I was itching to find a gym to come and and start coaching. And I found Dynamic Boxing Club. So, been there ever since. Yeah, and you've been you've been the head coach for as long as I can remember of the gym. So, training, you know, amateurs. Obviously, you know, when the gym first opened up, we didn't have any any professional fighters. You know, we just started uh, training amateurs and doing local shows, and then obviously local tournaments. What was the buildup like? Um, because we've had you've had pros before, Rico. Mm -hmm. So was it was it difficult to go from training amateurs to training pros to training both at the same time? Um, it's it wasn't difficult because we're in the gym and we do the same thing every day. Obviously, when it comes to professionals, you kind of up that training and you do different things. You work on different things, but uh, it wasn't a very difficult transition. It was just kind of natural, actually. Right. You know. Now, going back to your amateur days, I mean, I mean, obviously you fought some of the best of the best. You fought mm -hmm. Floyd Mayweather, Zahirim. You know, you've been in tournaments where David Corrales was there. Mm -hmm. Does that experience help you in the in the in the corner with with yeah, the guys? For sure, for sure. All the experience I had, 136 boxing, you know, 136 amateur fights. I brought I brought all that to this gym with me, and me coaching is basically when I'm coaching a kid or whatever, even a professional. I just want them to be a better boxer than I was, and I was pretty good. Mm -hmm. But I, my drive is to make them better. Right. You know, I want somebody to be better than me and Rico he, he surpassed me yeah for sure uh, a story you've told me before I'm gonna bring it up again you know you fought Floyd Mayweather in the semifinals the Golden Gloves uh, yeah. 96 National Golden Gloves 96 yeah you guys had a little moment in the in the elevator yeah. at one point take us through that uh so we stayed at the same hotel I was I was coming off the I, I got in the elevator and Floyd Mayweather was in the elevator and we were riding down together. And uh, he just kept looking at me up and down and talking shit like he always does, mm -hmm. saying he's gonna knock he me out. He was the same back then. Yeah, huh? Oh yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. I just said, okay, I had nothing to lose. You know, I was just a 17 year old senior in high school and on my spring break, I just got, got the chance to fight Floyd Mayweather. So right. I had nothing to lose. And my coach told me, you have nothing to lose, just let your hands go, go after him. So no. that's what I did. Fighting big guys, like big names like that, you know, seeing what they did. Do you look back at your amateur career and be like, man, like I really, you know did some cool things you know did yeah, experience I mean, some stuff boxing amateur boxing was the best years of my life mm -hmm. and that's another reason why i love coaching because i want all these kids in this gym to experience what i got to it was the best years of my life it was a great ride i got to travel a lot i was on i made the u.s team mm -hmm. um i got to travel all around the country and box everybody and uh i just want these kids to experience the same have the same experience i did so that's why it, that's another reason i 
come to the gym so so it's kind of like you know you lived that experience so when when rico was winning you know national championships and other people have gone to you know different tournaments and stuff you know you can kind of guide them through those experiences because you you experienced it yourself right yeah it my my amateur experience really helps me with my coaching ability i think yeah you know do you have a particular i guess style is probably the wrong word but the way you approach a fire do you approach each one the same or do you have to go into it with a different mindset depending on Um, the person Depending on the person, I mean, everybody is a little different, but myself and the other coach here, Anthony Mendez, we, 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 we coach basics, basic mm-hmm. boxing, stick to the basics, the jab, the right hand, the hook, those three, those three punches are going to win fights for you. And, and we, we instill that into these guys. And that's what, that's what gets it done for us. Now you've really engulfed yourself in the, in the boxing community here in Detroit. You know, you, you help out with the Detroit Golden Gloves, Bridges to Boxing, um, like we, uh, Bridges Beyond Boxing, Bridges yep. Beyond Boxing, excuse me. It, you know, that takes a lot of motivation too. So, so what caused you to dive? into that like this just take it because being from toledo being an outsider and being welcomed in detroit is, is a hard thing to do oh yeah yeah it was i'm grateful that i have the opportunities that i've had here since i moved to michigan like i said coming from toledo and moving up here and i started at this gym right when the, the gym was just getting off the ground and and you remember we weren't that good right the gym right. was the laughing stock of metro detroit at, yeah, for, for a long time. time and uh we just kept building kept grinding kept grinding uh, you, Dan, you were the first national champion I've ever mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. First national champion coming out of Dynamic Boxing Club. So that's that's what it was all about. We just kept kept driving. You know, it's it's hard to do that when you have big gyms like Kronk and. Um you know, uh, I'm trying to think, Lasky, and, and just these these gyms that are so ingrained in the Detroit culture. You know, what do you think it was about the training, the coaching staff here at Dynamic that that kept pushing us forward, kept uh, kept us kind of in the limelight of things and, and made us relevant? Uh, Paul Susie was, was a big part of the gym. He still is to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not so much on a on a personal level, like working with boxers and and training, but. Uh, just him being in the gym every day is an inspiration. He's 85 years old. Mm-hmm. He doesn't miss a day. He's here every day. Just, you know, with Paul, I followed Paul's lead when I started here coaching here. And uh, we had other coaches along the way, Roger, and many other coaches came through the gym. But we all just kept grinding and kept pushing each other to be better. And then, you know, that's where, that's where we're at today. Yeah, now, Paul Susi is a big name in, in Detroit boxing. I mean, obviously, Livonia Boxing Club, guys like Craig Payne, you know, had a lot of great fighters. What was it like to learn from him and, and be under his tutelage and, and just, you know, show you how to grow fighters? Yeah, it was it was awesome. Paul's been around forever. He's had many champions, uh, amateurs and professionals. So I just slipped right under his wing and he took me with him everywhere we went. We traveled the country together with this boxing gym. You know, I picked up little things from him as well as my coach that coached me as an amateur. I, Ray Vargas. I brought, I brought everything to this gym, you know. Yeah. Now, training Glass City is also, you know, a big name in, in, in northern Ohio. Right. Obviously, you know, Ray Vargas. Uh, the best gym. The best gym. It was the best gym. <laughs> My gym um, was the best gym. Dylan in Dallas and Devin Vargas, you know, obviously mm-hmm. big name amateurs back in the right. day. And Dylan, or sorry, uh, Devin and Dallas, you know, obviously had good pro careers. Mm-hmm. Being alongside those guys and fighting amateurs, there's a there's like a friendship, a camaraderie, almost like a brotherhood. Like, right, right. Do you see that with your fighters today in, oh, in the gym? Oh, for sure. I mean. Everybody in here, it's like a family. Mm-hmm. You walk into this gym, and it doesn't take you long to be accepted. You know, if you're working hard, just like everybody else, and doing what you're supposed to do, you're going to be part of the family real quick. Yeah, you know, it's so cool. We were talking before we started recording. You know, we, I can't, it's the first time I've been here in a few years, and guys I haven't seen in 10, 15 years still come up remembering me. Right. And, and like you said, the family, just the brotherhood. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get in here, you, you punch each other in the face, and then you, yeah. you hug each other afterwards. Right, you know, sure. it's, a, it's a different sport. Definitely. Is that, is that kind of what, what grew your love for boxing, seeing things like that and, and right. just seeing yourself grow? Yeah, I mean, like through my amateur career, just all my experiences, all the people I met, you know, it's, 
it's a it's a brotherhood like you said it's a family mm-hmm. you know where i came from it was a family when i got here uh the gym was brand new so we had to we had to make our family we had to grow our family yeah and we've done a great job at that so yeah absolutely i mean obviously we've seen rico coming through the amateurs through the pro ranks and now he's you know top top almost mm-hmm. almost to the elite level maybe at the elite level right. what do you see going into this rematch with peter mcgrail how do you feel rico's handling all the pressure that that's that's new to him I, I, I think the pressure doesn't bother Rico. You know, he, he like you said, he we, we've always had our backs against the wall, and we're, we're coming. Mm-hmm. No matter what, what what they put in front of us, we're going to go after it. But I don't think the pressure really bothers him. But it's going to be it's gonna be hard over there. We know it's going to be difficult. We're going to this guy's backyard. All his fans are going to be there. All his people are going to be there. We're in another country. It's, it's going to be good, but we're going to be prepared. Right. We're going to be very well prepared. So even better than we were last fight. Now, going into this fight, obviously, you know, his name's up top now, but it still feels like a B-side mentality. Is that... Is that something you guys take into training camp to motivate you? Is that something you you don't mind being that B side? Gives that extra. We don't mind being the B side. They can put us on any side. Right. We're we're coming to fight. Let our hands go and you know showcase his skills. Now, is there anything that maybe like the the common fan or or the non fan doesn't see behind the scenes? You know, being not the favorite, not you know something that maybe like a little tidbit or something that they they wouldn't see something that, that you experienced. You know, being behind the scenes. I mean. Just be, being the B-side is, you know, a lot of people don't understand what that means if they're not a big, uh, huge boxing fan or follow boxing. But just being the B-side is you're going in there, basically you're supposed to lose that fight. You know, you're, you're going in there against a, the champion like we did, um, undefeated, Olympian. You know, nobody really heard of Jericho. So we, 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 we had our backs to the wall on that fight, and we knew that we were going to have to come come out letting our hands go and finally in the fifth round when Rico started letting his hands go yeah we got the job done but we want to we want to start a little quicker this fight next fight um now that we're going to be in his head we know this guy he's going to be thinking about what Rico's going to do to him and not what he's going to do to us so we're, we're already in his head already yeah because of that last fight I believe so now we talked earlier you know this being in McGrail's backyard do you think that adds more pressure to him I I, th- I believe it all the pressures on him we're we have our backs to the wall just going over there, but I think all the pressure's on him. There's a lot of money behind him. Eddie Hearn's got a lot of money behind this kid. And well-deserved. The kid's an Olympian. He's a great boxer. But now, put him in the spotlight after a, a devastating knockout loss, coming right back in his own backyard, in his hometown, in his basically in his neighborhood where he lives, is a lot of pressure on him. Like we kind of touched on before, you know, going from local shows to to a big matchroom boxing. You know, matchroom boxing is a big name in in obviously in the boxing world. You know, do they treat you like you know like you're just a regular trainer from Detroit, or, or has it been a good relationship so far? Uh, I mean, all the guys from Matchroom have been pretty good with us. I mean, I don't know if they treat me any different than they would anybody else, but we're starting to get our name out there now. Right. You know, Detroit's back in the boxing business. Yeah. After Tony Harrison won his world title, he put Detroit back on the map after a long, long, long time without a, having a world champion here. Cornelius. K9 was the, got it got a title uh, before him. We're back on the map, and Detroit's back on the boxing map for sure. And you know, like uh, Gordy Russ, Tony Harrison's uh, uh, fighter, fought on the undercard under under Rico. Like, like you said, Detroit boxing's back on the map. Where do you see the future of Detroit boxing going? Do you think it starts and ends with Gordy and Rico, or do you think there's people oh, no, behind no, them there, that can push it? There's a lot it? of people coming up. Yeah, there's a lot of great, talented amateur boxers here in the city. Fortunate, I'm very fortunate. I get to experience most of them because being the head coach of the Detroit Golden Gloves, most of these amateur boxers come up through the Golden Gloves. And then I'm the head coach of the national team. So when they go to the nationals, I get to work with them side mm-hmm. by side, work their corners. Yeah, we have a, 
have a lot of talent in the city that is going to keep shining for us. Yeah, so you know, like you mentioned, the head coach of the Detroit Golden Gloves, you travel um, every year to nationals. Is it is it difficult to kind of take over another fight, another trainer's fighter and, and 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 tell them what you need to do, or do you you know from being a fighter yourself, do you find it's easier to relate to them and you can kind of gauge what they what they yeah, need? Yeah, I mean, like I said, especially when you get to the nationals, there's there might be ten or twelve boxers on that team. Everybody's different, and everybody has different training habits, different styles. I'm not there to to teach them anything. I'm just there to coach them. At that point, there's nothing I can teach them that they're gonna you know put together and, and be able to put in the ring within a couple of days. So I do I don't try and change anybody's style. I just trying to get them to perform to the best of their ability. You've had some pretty yeah, good success over the past sure. years. Talk yeah. about that a little bit as uh, far as the team. Geez, yeah, since I've been uh, head coach of the Detroit Golden Gloves since uh, 2000. 2012 was my first year being the head coach of the Golden Gloves, and since then we've had uh, numerous national champions. We've had numerous silver medals and bronze medals. We've we've got third place na- at the nationals uh, for the team the team, team trophy, team, right? Team yeah. trophy. We've got second place team trophy at the national level. So we've uh, in the last you know 10 15 years we've really uh, put together a great 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 thing here in Detroit. Now within that time, within the like the last 10 to 15 years, like you said, you know the big name in Detroit boxing was always Kronk, mm-hmm. and obviously that's kind of wavered the last 10, 15 years. How do you feel that that's affected Detroit boxing? When we go to these national tournaments, when you go to these national tournaments, do you feel like Detroit's still underestimated since Kronk has kind of fallen off? Um, When we go to the National Golden Gloves, everybody knows who we are. Yeah. We, we, we're dressed the best. We're, we're a great, great team. I mean, even the, the Kronk name kind of fell off a little bit after Emmanuel passed, but they, they still produce some great boxers mm-hmm. or at the Kronk gym. So, you know, their amateur program is awesome. Um, now they have a few pros coming out of the Kronk gym. So our name is, you know, Kronk and Detroit Boxing is still up in there, you know, with everybody around the country. So now walking through here, there's obviously, you know, signs for training camp starting for Golden Gloves. Mm-hmm. Who, who else, not only in the gym, but in the community, is a big help to the Detroit Golden Gloves? Who else kind of organizes things and, and makes sure that everything runs smoothly? So uh, our president of the Detroit Golden Gloves, Ansel Stewart, he, he's pretty much the head head guy of our Golden Gloves franchise, and he's he's got this thing going like it's never been going before. Mm-hmm. We we have a board, board of directors or whatever for the Golden Gloves. I'm also on the board as, as a coach. That's mm-hmm. my, my position on the board, but he's, he's got the Golden Gloves going great. Uh, the Detroit Golden Gloves is better in the last, you know, 15 years is better than it's been in a long long time yeah and it's, and a lot of it i have to attest to ansel stewart and because ansel stewart and and our board working hard we're, we're bringing the national golden gloves to detroit michigan this year 2024 it's going to be at uh down at the cobo hall now be in may yeah in may okay second week of may very cool very yep. cool um, I didn't know that actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, National Golden Gloves, Detroit, Michigan. So that's cool. Uh, coming to the Cobo Hall here in May. Plan on having a lot of fighters there, mm-hmm. obviously. As far as the traveling with with everything, do you feel like that'll help help our fighters? You know, you know, being in their own backyard, having familiar faces in the stands. Yeah, I mean, of course, they're going to have the, their family and friends are going to be here because a lot of times when we travel out of the out of the state, wherever the Nationals might be, sometimes the family and friends they can't all make that that trip, and and sometimes some of their own personal coaches can't make that trip. You know, obviously, if they can make the trip, they're, they're the ones working the corner. Mm-hmm. But me, my position as the head coach is me to step in there if their coach can't be there. Everybody's going to have their own personal coaches here. It's going to be a great thing for us, yeah. Now, something I also want to point out during this interview is all your work here is is, is volunteer. Mm-hmm. You just love the sport, yep. and you want to help these kids, like you said, be better versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of get that motivation from your previous coaches in Toledo, watching sure. guys like yeah. Paul? You know, right. we, we really haven't, haven't touched on Ray Vargas in Toledo that much. What, what, what did he do in your amateur career that made you want to be a coach and stick around boxing? I mean, he... 
he made the gym fun. We worked hard. He was an old school coach. We we just we stuck to the basics, and that's what the, kind of what we do here at this gym. You know, we're teaching the basics, and we perfected the basics. That's mm -hmm. what we're gonna do. But uh, yeah, Ray Vargas, he was in my corner for all my 136 fights, and uh, he 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 was a lot to me. Not only as in the gym, but outside the gym. You know, as we got older, we got to hang out more, and you know, more on a not a coach boxer relationship, but a, a friendship or a father-son almost, you know. Mm -hmm. He was uh, he was a great guy. Heading back into, into Rico's fight coming up here in, in April. Like we said, you know, head coach here at Dynamic Boxing Club, head coach at, at Detroit Golden Gloves, training pros. Um, what a lot of people may not know is that you have a pretty full-time job too yeah. uh, as, a, as a laborer in, in yeah. Detroit. You know, talk about the juggles of that and how that affects your daily life. Every day I get up and go to work every morning. Um, I'm a laborer at Detroit Labors, local 1191. Been in there for 23 years doing that. Every day after work, I'm coming to the gym. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's tough, but I enjoy this. So it's not like a job for me. Right, know? right. I spend a lot of time here, almost like having another job, but it's not a job for me. It's, it's I have fun and I get to work with kids, you know, and uh, I love it wouldn't trade it for nothing you know like you've been around toledo boxing detroit boxing that blue collar mentality do you think that really you know affects the city and affects the boxing community within the city yeah for sure i mean it's just with my experience being around toledo and detroit boxing it just yeah it's it's, it's a great thing just watching you and rico like through the years and, and other fighters from the gym really just take on the hard route you know i mean no one's really had it easy here in a long time like you said tony harrison was the, the most recent world champion you know but even he you know didn't have a traditional upbringing in, in the program you know he had to bounce around a few before he found his groove how do you keep motivating fighters to, to go through those struggles and to show them do you use tony and k9 like as examples of what what can be right i mean yeah just part of being a coach is is help motivate the, these guys too because this sport isn't easy it's physically hard it's mentally hard you know so you have to be the guy to, to let them lean on you a little bit and uh you know just motivate them to to keep keep going even when the time gets up or you you know you're in a fight you take a, a, a loss that you thought you should have won mm -hmm. you know i just tell them to keep their head up keep grinding this is no big deal we're gonna get back you know yeah so you guys have definitely taken that that blue collar mentality into your careers you know i was talking to rico and in, in his interview and just saying that you guys have bounced around to different promoters and things like that and it seems like now you guys have really found a groove and have, have a solid team behind you who was an addition to the team that really helped you guys out and has helped move you forward to these next level fights? Uh, so, I mean, like I said, I've been the head coach at Dynamic Boxing Club, but I'm basically just a face. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people behind the scenes that deserve even more credit than I do because without them, I couldn't even do what I do. You know, and, and that includes Coach Anthony Mendez and Paul Susi and our, our new manager, uh, Eric Olson from Thomas McGee's. Although everybody's just stepping up. We've had other coaches. Tony Colino has been in our camps before. We've had a great tight-knit group of guys that really make this thing work. I'm, I'm the face of it. I'm the one that's in the corner. On the, in front of the camera, but it's without all those other people behind the scenes, it doesn't happen. You know, you mentioned uh, Eric Olson, you know, being kind of the, the manager. How much stress does that alleviate from you having someone handle that side of the that, game? That, that takes off so much pressure for me and just lets me do what I want to do most, and that's coach yeah. and train, you know. So uh, he, he's got his plate full. It's probably fuller than mine, you know, at times with everything he has to deal with outside of the ring. Yeah, it's a great addition that we had. We have him on our team. We're going into the fight. Your training camp's about to start real soon. You know, do you still feel as confident as you did before the first one? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, even we're even more confident, mm -hmm. you know, coming in after that last fight, knowing what happened, you know, seeing what happened and the way we took care of business. We're, we're even more confident coming in there. It's, it's going to be like Rocky going to Russia mm. for us going over to England because it's going to be uh, pretty hostile over there, I'm pretty sure. But whatever, we're prepared for it, and we train for it, and we're going we're gonna to bring that belt back to Detroit. All right. Do you have a prediction for April 27th? Yeah, I have a prediction. I think we're going to get a late stoppage, 7th or 8th round. All right. You heard it here first, guys. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Chad, thank you for coming Thanks, down. Man. I appreciate the time, you. and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks.